this morning with a question. And it is one of those questions where uh, I'd like an answer. Um, it's, not re- it's not rhetorical. I really want you to say something back to me. As Pastor Steve said on Wednesday, this is an all play, he said, play. which made the Pictionary fans in the room very happy. So if you had to define what it means or what characteristics they have, what would you say it means to be a disciple? What are the marks of a disciple? So what things do we seek after most? What ways do we work in the world? So let's hear some answers. What was that? Dedicated. Wait, you got to say them slow because uh, somebody's going to be typing these in the back. What did you say, Joe? Obedient. Open-minded. Elaine, I saw your hand up. Following the Ten Commandments. Somebody said something over here. No? No, they didn't. They said, no, we didn't say anything. We're so Lutheran, you guys. No, it wasn't me. Everybody, quick, look up at the ceiling. Nate says, suffering. Obedient. Brave. Evangelizing. How you doing, Morgan? <laughs> Obedient, evangelizing, and brave, I think, were those. Caring. Loyal. How's that? Wise. Wise. Ooh, that was so nice and loud. Thank you. I don't even know who said that, but... Anyone else? Faithful. Yeah. Kala agrees. Followers of Jesus. Good. Okay, last call. No, everybody, everybody, quick look away. Just love it. So, here's our list. These are the marks of a disciple. Dedicated, obedient, evangelizing, brave, caring, loyal, wise, faithful followers of Jesus. You guys think that looks okay? Yeah? Nods? Okay, yes, yes, answering, we're talking, this is good. Okay, yes, thank you. Now, if we were really, really honest about what our discipleship in the world looks like, we might add some marks of the disciple being maybe safety or being a good person or judgment for others. Maybe spiritual, but not religious. Those might also go on that list, correct? If we were harshly honest about ourselves. See, today we get this text from Matthew where we're again reminded of what it means to be disciples. We are called, claimed, forgiven, and sent. Called and sent again. I titled this sermon, Called Again, Sent Again, because it really does feel like a recurring theme in the Gospels lately. The three weeks leading up to Pentecost, which was on June 4th, were all about being sent into the world. But it is today's text that really brings this message home. See, Jesus is teaching and preaching and healing, and he looks around at all the work to be done, all the people gathered around him, begging him for healing and forgiveness. And he gathers up his disciples and says, okay, there is a lot of work to be done here, so let's do it together. 
He says this phrase that you've maybe heard before. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Can Jesus do it by himself? Yes, he's Jesus. He absolutely can, but he doesn't. He knows that what happens when we are church together is more than what we can do alone. So he sends the twelve out. And honestly, he's very clear about what he wants their sending to look like. In verse 7 he says, As you go, proclaim the good news that the kingdom of heaven has come near. Then cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. I mean... And then he says, you've received without payment, give without payment. I'll get back to that verse in a minute. That is not vague at all, right? Though very clear, it's not easy. Proclaim good news, offer it to others. We don't do this so well, if we're honest. Sure, we really, really like the grace when it's for ourselves. We like the forgiveness when it's about us. And we like being sent into the world maybe not quite as much as all that grace, right? Once we're there, once we're out there, we kind of like to choose what our discipleship looks like. We want to get to know somebody first and find out if they're worthy of us offering them grace. We have a list of people who we've sort of decided already who are worthy or not worthy of receiving the love of God. I think we like the way Jesus does this for us, the free grace stuff. And I don't know about you, but I I find it nearly impossible to do it in return. I'm not very good at offering others the kind of grace that I've been given, forgiving without question, loving without conditions. In the text from Romans today, which Grace read so well as she always does, Paul says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Paul says we obtained grace through Jesus. Our access to this free grace, to this forgiveness, this love of God, we get it through Jesus. It is ours. And Jesus gave us that grace and forgiveness and love when we were completely and totally undeserving of it. And that's the way it still is. We are and always will be completely undeserving. And it is then, even then, in the midst of our least good person moments, it is then that Jesus dies for us. Not when we acknowledge our sins, not when we ask for forgiveness, not when we say the right prayer or somehow finally believe the right thing, but while we are still doing it wrong, while we are still sinning, Jesus comes and finds you and says, here is how much I love you while you are still sinning. That is the good News that Jesus talks about. That is why we are sent, because who does not need to hear that? 
We are sent out into the world to proclaim that very thing. While you are still sinning, God finds you. That you are welcome and loved no matter what. So we're sent into the world to proclaim that very thing. And then, if we follow the words of Jesus, we are supposed to cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, and cast out demons. Just that. Easy, right? Well, let's go back to our list from earlier, if Morgan can pull that back up. Do you see any of those four things on there? Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. It's funny how the four marks of a disciple that Jesus gives us are not in our list of what we think disciples look like out in the world. I think this list is great. I don't think there's anything wrong with this list of marks of discipleship, but I also think it's missing the four key things Jesus asked us to be about. Luther Seminary preaching professor Caroline Lewis, in her commentary about this very gospel, said that these four imperatives given by Jesus to the disciples, cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, those four can be distilled down to two, which is healing and liberation. Healing and liberation. The disciples are called to go out into the world and they are given clear instruction by their master. The one who has shown us exactly what it looks like to be healed and freed sends us to do the same for others. See, I think we look at these four tasks, the four instructions, and assume that they are things we just can't do anymore. They feel daunting and overwhelming and really really big. But what if, and stay with me here, what if we believed, really, really believed that we could still be a part of God's work in bringing this kind of good news to the world? What if we could really bring healing and liberation to the world? What if we were absolutely capable of it and it wasn't outside of the realm of possibility at all? I think it is so possible. I think it is imperative that we do it. I think this is what it means to be the church, to be Christian in this day and age, to say that we are disciples, that we are followers of Christ in this time and place, In this culture of division and hatred and cruelty and anger, we are called to go be healers and liberators. To find injustice and not just point it out, but to go and do something about it. See, what if these specific instructions were given so that we weren't just thrown out into the world and said, good luck out there, guys but that maybe we were given some direction, something to do, some shape, some characteristic to what our marks of discipleship should look like. When we're wondering what it means to be a disciple, Jesus doesn't mess around. He makes it very clear. Later in this 
same chapter, this same section of chapter 10, Jesus tells his disciples what to say. Not to worry about what to say. He says, for what you are to say will be given to you at that time, for it is not you who speaks, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. So we are given clear instructions on what to do and promises that we'll be given the words to say. And so often we don't do it. I don't do it, you guys. I'm a pastor. It's kind of my job to do it. And I don't do it. It's hard. This is hard work. It's hard to be sent into a world that doesn't always want to hear what you have to say. A world that doesn't always seem to value love and forgiveness as much as it values winning and accumulating power. And yet that is what we are called to do. So for a few moments this morning, I want us to actually imagine what this would look like together. Because it's hard and we need each other. So for a few minutes, we're going to ask ourselves some questions. We're going to have you turn to those around you. I know some of you don't like this, but you're going to do it anyway. And we're going to turn to those around you, and we're going to answer two questions. And then I'm going to have us make another list, because I like lists. I'm a list person. We're going to answer these two questions. What healing does the world need right now? So we're going to think about our world, our city, our state, our country, the world at large, and we are going to ask what healing needs to happen in our world. And then we're also going to ask the same places in our country, in our state, in our city, in our communities, in our world, what things do we need to be liberated from? Now, this is personal, and it is universal. There are some big things holding people back right now, and I think we have a job to do, but there are also things holding us back right now, and we need to be liberated from those things, too. So, two lists. Ready? Go. What things in the world need healing? What things do we need to help liberate people from? Go. You can do it. They're super easy, small questions. So, in case you've already forgotten what the questions are, what's... (laughs) What's... Not that anybody has, I'm just throwing it out there. What things does the world need need healing in? So where does the world need to be healed? And what things do we need liberation from? Do you want to talk more? Does anybody want to start answering? Some people, I see a hand back there. Say it loud so I can hear you. Healed from hatred. Healed from prejudice. Healed from racism. Oh, healed from selfishness. Greed. Political discord. What? Ooh, that's nice. Jackie said we need to be healed with love. Healed from fear. I might even say that's one on our liberation list, too, right? We need to be liberated from our fear. Healed with forgiveness. 
<laughs> oh my. Thank you, Scott. Uh, healed from exclusionism. Or, and again, that might be a good liberated one. So the things we need to be freed from, right? Freed from, you could use a lot of these in here, right? We, could, we need to be liberated from racism, and we need to be liberated from our greed and our exclusionism, and sometimes even freed from our own religion and the ways it holds us back. See, Jesus sends his disciples out into the world like we are going to be sent out into the world again today with a reminder that they have received without payment, so they should give without payment. This is the last verse of the text we read today, and it is kind of the mic drop of Jesus at this moment, which you know, he just walks away, right? A reminder that the reality is that we like to receive grace, but we don't like to give it as freely as we get it. And Jesus says, you have received this without payment. So now go and give without payment. There was no cost to any single one of us for this grace, this healing we have received, the liberation we receive even here today. So who are we to decide to charge someone something before we share it? We say the cost is you have to look like me, believe like me, say the right thing, do the right thing, act the right way. That's the cost we charge people to receive the same thing we've gotten for free. On the wall of his house, Christian author, some of you may know him, Brennan Manning, has a sign that says, Tout les gras, it's French, for all is grace. And he has it where he can see it all the time to remind him that without grace, his own received grace and the grace he gives, his words and actions are just noise and dust, he says. It's just nothing. I love this. Either we believe grace or we don't. And I don't know about you, but I want to. I want to believe in this kind of grace. I want to live and share this kind of grace, the kind that liberates and heals others, because that is what it has done for me. That is what we are called and sent to do and be in the world, healers and liberators, because That is what we have received, for it was at a table just like this on the night in which he was betrayed. While they were still sinners, Jesus looked at his disciples and said, This is my body, broken for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. And then he took the cup and he gave thanks and he gave it to all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. It's shed for you while you are still sinning. And for all people, for the forgiveness of sin, do this for the remembrance of me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Fill us up and send us out. Fill us up and send us out. Fill us up and send us out, Lord. 